0: We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. You know, it's easy to get so wrapped up in the hustle and bustle of life that we lose focus on the things that are really important. And I think all of us that are believers would, would say that God has a... A purpose for us and a calling on our life and something that we're to accomplish and yet it, we can go through days and even weeks sometimes without really thinking about that and we just sort of just go through life and kind of miss out on being intentional about obeying God and following what he has for us and so tonight I hope that we'll, we can see from the example of Christ How to avoid this trap and live focused and on mission um, every single day. So Luke five, and let's stand if you don't mind for the reading (laughs) for the reading of the scripture. Luke chapter five, and we are gonna start in verse number twenty-seven. And after these things, he went forth. This is Jesus. He went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he, Levi, left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their, their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, why do, you, why, do ye eat with, why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God that is so quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that tonight it would do its work. I pray that it would find its way to good soil, that our hearts would be ready and soft, and we would receive with meekness the engrafted word. Lord, I pray that it would make a difference in us tonight. It would, it would help us. It would challenge us. And it would take root. And Lord, they, that the, the cares of this world wouldn't, wouldn't choke it out. But rather, Lord, that it would, it would bear fruit in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. So in verse 27, we are introduced to... A man named Levi. Levi would also be called Matthew in other places in the scriptures and the author of the first gospel of Matthew. Here he's identified as a publican. Publicans also called tax collectors and as many or most or perhaps all of you would know a tax collector And this day was more than just a government worker, more than just an IRS agent, more than just someone who collected, um, rightly collected taxes. They were considered to be traitors by the Jewish people. They were Jews who worked for the Roman government. ...and made their wealth by, by taxing their own people unjustly often. They, and the more they ripped off their fellow Jews, the fellow people... ...the, the more they padded their bank account. And so they were, not, they were not friends. Even though they were Jewish people, they were not friends of the Jewish people. They didn't have a lot of Jewish friends. And they were just known to be a dishonest bunch... It's not to say that all of them were necessarily dishonest, but that was their reputation. Their reputation was if you're a tax collector, if you're a or you're lumped in with this dishonest people and they were just uh, looked down upon. That's why after getting saved in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus, who was also a, a, a publican, he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold, that it was just, that's just what they did. They took advantage of people. And so Jesus called him out. Verse 27 again, after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. He was doing his job, and he said unto him, follow me. And what I want us to see here, and we'll, we'll come back to this later, is that this is very typical of Christ's work on earth. We don't see him really doing anything here spectacular. He wasn't seeking out an opportunity to do something extraordinary. He was just walking along in the everyday moments of life, and he, and he happens upon this man named Levi, who is a publican. He sees someone at work, someone who, who no doubt, hundreds of people, perhaps more that very day, had, had walked by collecting taxes. Some people walked by, I'm sure, without even a second thought. It just sort of passed by. They saw him as they saw him every day. Others, I'm sure, walked by with disdain and mocked him and growled as they walked by. How this guy, he calls himself, he calls himself a Jew. They ridiculed him for being a thief and a traitor. And so Jesus walked by just like many others had walked by that day. But rather than simply ignoring him, passing him by, and and rather than looking down on him or mocking him or casting harsh judgment on him like many would have done for his lifestyle choice, Jesus saw him differently. Not as a traitor, not as a thief, not as the enemy, but as a sick man who needed a spiritual doctor, as a lost man that needed salvation. That's how Jesus saw this publican. And this should cause us to to pause and ask ourselves how we might have seen him had we been there that day. How might we have looked on Levi? Think about some group that are hated in our culture. And not just hated, but lumped in with all the sinners. Look look down in verse 30. Their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with? Publicans and sinners. Publicans and sinners were like one bunch. They were bunched together. They were rebels. They were outcasts. And, and I don't know what the 21st century um, equivalent would have been to tax collectors. But this is walking by the the, the 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 group of people that you have the hardest time dealing with. the the immoral the the the, the group of immoral people. Whatever that. Whatever that sin is that you struggle with, this is the person, the group that you're walking by. The Think about the most despicable person or the most despicable sin in your mind. And that's the person that you're walking by that day. And, and, and what do you do? Do you walk by quickly and try not to make eye contact with them? Just try to keep your head down and say, I don't want to, I'm, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to keep walking. Or do you use it as a teaching moment to tell your children how terrible this person is. Make sure you avoid people like this. This is the kind of person, kids, you want to avoid this kind of person. You don't ever want to be like this kind of person. Tell them how dangerous they are, how evil they are. How how would you have walked past this tax collector? That's the question. Do you mock them? Or do you, like Jesus, invite them into your life? Follow me. Levi. I'm going this way. Why don't you come along with me? That's what Jesus does. He invites, a, he invites this hated person, this despicable man, Levi, into his life. Follow me. We often, I think, overcomplicate the call of God, but really it's, it's, it's very simple. Follow me. In Matthew 4, a couple of brothers, Simon and Andrew, were out fishing and that's what Jesus said to them. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In Matthew 8, one of his disciples was, was making excuses and giving, about giving his life to Christ. And this is what Jesus said to him. Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and Follow me. This is the demand of Christ. Follow him. Follow him wholeheartedly. Wherever he goes, follow him. We sing that song, wherever he leads, I'll go. That's what he's calling. That's what he's asking for. That's what he's demanding of us, that we follow him. And that was his call to Levi that day. Leave where you are, leave what you're doing, and follow me. And what does Levi do? Verse 28. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now on the surface, that may seem insignificant, but Levi's decision to follow Jesus was courageous. It was sacrificial. You know, Peter and James and John could have gone back to their lives of fishing had they chose to. But I believe when it says that Levi left all, that means he was leaving it for good. He was leaving that life behind. He was saying, I am not going back. Maybe I cannot go back to that life. I am leaving everything that I know, and I'm following him. Levi probably never would have imagined in his life that he would have received a gracious invitation like this from Jesus. I mean, again, we, we can't fully wrap our minds around it, but, but, but people especially Jewish people, didn't say nice things. They didn't say nice things to publicans. They didn't invite them over for dinner. They were not friendly with them. And yet this man, this Jew named Jesus, walks by with a group of followers, and he says to Levi, follow me. And sometimes, perhaps all the time, people who are the most unloved are the most craving of our love, right? Somebody who feels the most rejected is the one who's calling out, saying, man, just reach out to me. The one who's the outcast is the one who's saying, somebody call out to me. The, the one who feels like they're unloved is begging for someone to love them. And that's where Levi was. Unloved, hated, and he hears this invitation, this unbelievable invitation of, of this 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 jewish man to follow and he, and he and he leaves everything behind and he follows him and then what does he do well he throws a party verse 29 and Levi made him a great feast in his own house and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them he threw a party because he wanted his friends to meet Jesus. He wanted his friends to experience, what well, he just experienced this unprecedented love. that he, he, he was not used to this, and so he invites all of his friends over who were in the same boat as he was to meet Jesus. A saved man doesn't want to leave his friends behind on a spiritual journey. He wants to bring them along with him. He's now, this man is now a follower of Christ. He now has heaven as his home, and he wants others to be able to come along with him, so he invites them all to this banquet, to this party. When Jesus is working in our lives, we want to celebrate, don't we? There's reason to celebrate. We want to tell people. We're not ashamed of what he's doing in our lives. Turn, turn uh, to, to Luke chapter 15. Jesus is telling some parables here. Three of them. And I want you to notice one common characteristic in each of these parables. The first one is a man, he had lost, or he had a hundred sheep. A hundred sheep, and he lost one of them. So, you know the story. He goes out and he seeks out this one sheep, and he finds it. And what does he do when he finds it? Verse 5. When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me! Join in with me in this celebration, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then we have a woman who had ten silver coins, and she lost one of them. She kept searching, kept searching. She swept the house, lights a candle, Searching through the night, finally she founds it. What does she do? Verse 9, when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. And then the familiar parable of the prodigal son. He left the father, but eventually came to his senses, and he returned. And, and you know the story, but in verse 22, after he came back, notice what the father does. The father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they together began to be merry. When Christ is working in our lives, it's cause for celebration. Celebration. When we're saved, it's cause for celebration. Levi had found the Messiah. And he calls everybody together to this banquet. And he says, You guys gotta come and meet the one who took me away from my from, from the life that I had and gave me brand new life. Everybody's happy, right? Not everybody. Jesus finds Levi. Levi throws a party to celebrate, he invites others to meet him, all good. But there's a group that is not happy, those Pharisees, those, those religious people. Verse 30, we're back in Luke 5. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Notice they talked about Jesus, not to him. They didn't like it. Why, why are you guys eating? You're supposed, to be, you're supposed to be spiritual people, and you're here eating with publicans, and you're eating with sinners. There always will be critics when we follow Christ, often from those people that you would think would be the most supportive you would expect religious people to be excited about immoral men finding the Messiah. But that wasn't the case. Nothing puzzled these, these religious elites more than, than Jesus and his social involvement with, with publicans and sinners. They could they just, it was like mind-blowing. I mean, he's teaching. He knows the law, he knows the scriptures, he teaches in the synagogue, he's, like nobody teaches like him, and yet, and yet he's sitting down for a meal with sinners, with, with tax collectors. I don't get it. They couldn't figure it out. And we're going to see shortly his reasoning for doing so, but that was ultimately to reveal himself as the great physician, the spiritual physician. But people try to judge motives, don't they? Why is he hanging out with these tax collectors? Why is he hanging out with these sinners? He's not just inviting them to, to the church. He's not just inviting them to the synagogue. That would be fine if, you know, we, we drove by the, the, the guy in town that often stands out and preaches with a microphone tonight on, on our way here. That would be fine if Jesus went over to the corner where the publicans were and just preached to them. That's okay. It would be fine if he invited them in, you know, let, come to the synagogue with me. That would be acceptable, Right? That would be acceptable, but but not what he's doing. He's actually he's actually like during the week he's socializing with them. He's invite, He's going to he's going to parties to banquets where they are. They couldn't wrap their minds around it. They were perplexed by it. They were infuriated by it. He just didn't fit in with their traditional religious system. And you know this. I'm not saying that we should embrace sin. I'm not even saying that we should embrace other people's sin. But if you run away from sinners because you're afraid that you're going to be somehow contaminated by by them, or or you you you, you teach your, your your children or your family to run run from sinners. You're gonna be you're gonna be contaminated by them. If if that's the way that we live, then we're, we're not living the example of Christ. He went towards sinners. He reached out to them. He said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I would say, if we are constantly looking down our nose at sinners, or we're walking by sinners without a second thought, or we're simply warning or mocking about sinners, and that's the life that we're living, then we're not really following Jesus. Because that wasn't his way. He ran towards... Sinners, For the purpose of making them whole. The scribes and the Pharisees, they saw Levi and his friend as condemned sinners, but Jesus saw them spiritually as patients who were sick, who needed healing, who needed a touch from the great physician. I'm sure a lot of people had they heard the, the criticisms that the disciples heard and that, that Jesus heard, I'm sure a lot of people, if they would have heard the religious elite over here saying, what are you doing? What are you doing with eating and drinking with sinners? I'm sure a lot of people would have backed up and said, you know, you're probably right. I probably shouldn't be. I probably shouldn't be at a, at a, at a, at a dinner with them. I probably, you're probably right. That probably doesn't look good. I probably should, I probably should, I probably should, maybe, maybe I should meet them, just have them meet me at, at church. A lot of people probably would have, would have backed up what might what what people think. What's it going to look like? You know, the Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. We can be so afraid of what people are going to think that we cease to follow Christ. But we have to have a greater fear of of God than we do of, of man. And thankfully, Jesus was on mission here. And we're going to see that. He was on mission. He would not be distracted. He would not be detoured. So they asked the disciples, what are you guys doing eating with and drinking with sinners? And Jesus, of course, whether he was within hearing distance, or he just knew their thoughts as he often did. He spoke up. He had an answer for them. Verse 31, Jesus answering, and it's probably good that he did because who knows what the the disciples would have said, right? Who knows what Peter would have said? Probably something that he would have, you know, not put in here. They probably would have made excuses for it, but not Jesus. Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he reveals himself here as a physician, as a spiritual doctor. We often think of Christ as a, as a physical doctor, right? We, 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 we spend a lot of time praying for healing, for physical healing, and that's we should. There's nothing wrong with that. But here, he calls himself a physician, but he's not talking about their physical needs, is he? He's talking about their spiritual needs. When he talks about being a physician, he's talking about, being, about spiritual needs. He's a doctor. But just because there's a doctor available does not necessarily mean that we're going to enlist his services. Doesn't does, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to ask him to help us. Not everybody wants his help. He is, he is a physician, but he didn't come to heal those that were well. That's what he says. Or we might say those who were thought they were well. He didn't come to heal the righteous or the self-righteous, those, that, those like the Pharisees who believed that they could do no wrong, but rather he, would, he was looking for those that would acknowledge that they were sick. The Pharisees had just as great of spiritual needs as the publicans did. The Pharisees that were talking to to the disciples in this day were just as lost as Levi was. Just as lost. But he didn't come for them because they didn't see themselves as lost. We can only get healing when we admit our condition. We've all known people that probably should have gone to the doctor and didn't. For various reasons, they refuse. Maybe that person's you. you. You wait till the very last possible moment, and then you, and then you finally go to the doctor. And there are a lot of reasons why people don't go to the doctor. But there are also a lot of reasons why people don't seek out a spiritual physician, right? A, a spiritual, a, 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 someone to help them with their spiritual needs. Maybe they don't think they have a need. That's common. I'm okay, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need anybody. I don't need, I don't need God. I don't need, I don't need him. I'm good. I, that's, that's the condition of a lot of people. Or maybe the other extreme, they think that their need is too great. They think that nothing, nothing and nobody could possibly help me. I'm too far gone. Or maybe they don't think they deserve to be helped. Why don't you save his healing power for someone more deserving? But Christ didn't come to... Heal the righteous. He came for the sinners, and he longs to heal. And the thing about Jesus, he's not like other doctors. Like when he ma- when Jesus makes a diagnosis, it's going to be right every single time. And he's and, and when, when Jesus goes to cure someone's spiritual diseases, he he has a one hundred percent success rate every time. He's always available. There's no long wait lines when it comes to Jesus. He's already paid the bill. It's free. Jesus is truly the great physician. I want to end where we, kind of where we began here. And and that's with this idea that, that Jesus was never distracted from his mission, from his purpose. He had a purpose. The Lord, the Father sent him to this earth. He had a mission. Christ often talked about it. And, and, and many people along the way tried to distract him from his purpose, from his mission. Tried to get him to do all kinds of things, but he would not be distracted. What was his mission? What was his purpose? We see it in verse 31. Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And here he says it. Here's why he came. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus recognized his purpose, his mission, his calling, and he was committed to it. And if you follow the steps of Jesus through the Gospels, what you'll find over and over again, beginning with the time when he was 12 years old, when his parents lost him, and they were frantic, and and they searched everywhere, where could he be, where could he be, and they finally found him, And he was teaching, his preteen son was was, was there teaching in the temple. And they said, what are you doing? What are you doing, Jesus? We've been looking everywhere for you. And what does he say to him? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Don't you know that that I have a, I'm on mission. Even as a 12-year-old young teen, preteen, he said, I must be about my father's business. God has sent me here. My father has sent me here to do a work, and I will not be distracted from it. But this continues in his life. Every every time we see him, he's he's moving from one point to the next. And what's, what's so interesting is that quite often, Jesus wasn't even the one who initiated these encounters, but he was always looking for opportunities to fulfill his mission, his calling in every circumstance. Like back in, well, just turn the page to to Luke 4. When it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. He had just performed some incredible miracles. And so he went to be alone alone. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. Don't leave us. Why, Jesus, why are you hiding? We're not done. We want you to do some more stuff. We want to see some more miracles. We want some more teaching. Why are you going into the desert? Stay here. And verse 43, he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. I'm on mission is what he's saying. I I can't stay here. I have more to do. I must move on to the next place and preach the gospel in other cities as well. And then in Luke 5, we just where we've been in verse 2. Well, verse 1, they're pressing on him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And He had developed this reputation as this master teacher, and people wanted to hear him. They were asking for him. They pressed upon him to hear the word. They wanted more. Teach us, teach us, teach us. And so verse two, he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And so what does he do? He he's just out, out and about. And he happens to see two vacant ships. So he does what anyone would do. He jumps on board. (laughs) And he entered one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And so what, what I see here, and, and you can read it on nearly every page of the Gospels, is, is Jesus has a mission. He knows his mission. He knows the work. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes he goes out of his way to find people, like when he went, when he went through Samaria that day, and other times people are coming to him. He's trying to get away and they're coming to him. And yet and yet, either time, in all of those moments, he's, he, he's still doing the work that God sent him to do. Whether he's preaching to a crowd or, or some woman meets him at the well, he's always doing the work that God sent him to do, which was to seek and to save that which was lost, which was to heal those who needed healing spiritually. He intentionally sought out ways, even in the everyday conversations of life, that many of us would just sort of just move, it on, just move on past. Just the guy at the grocery store, just the mail lady or the Amazon delivery truck driver or the person that you, that you make deliveries to every day or the person who... Who you see at the hair salon, just the everyday stuff that we can just sort of miss. But not the Lord. He he didn't miss any opportunities. His mission because he recognized that his mission was not just on Sundays or on Mondays or a, it was it was always. Th- that's why he was here on earth was to seek and to save that which was lost. What about us? What are we called? What are we called to do? Why are we here in this life? To raise a family, to secure a good job, to keep a a nicely manicured yard, to play sports. Ultimately, if if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, then ultimately your purpose for being here is to bring glory to your creator. And nothing glorifies him more than following Christ. Following his word, following his example, preaching the gospel to the lost—that is why we're here, all of us, pointing others to him. I love the disciples when they when they started, just like Levi. He got saved. What did he do? Everybody, come together. You got to meet this guy. That's how the disciples. They started finding brothers and friends. You, you, gotta, you gotta meet this person. That's what the that's what the 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 the, the woman is at the well. Come, you gotta you gotta come. You gotta meet this man who told me everything that I've ever done. That's the mission that we're all on. Pointing people to Christ, shining his light on the world, loving other people, letting him love them through us. Everything in life that we do. Enjoying our family, working a job, being involved in, in sports, or your hobbies. Those are not the end. Those are just means to the end. All of these things, we bring him glory. And through all of these ways, we ought to be pointing people to Christ. We should go through life looking for opportunities to shine the light of Jesus as we go. Look for opportunities at work to witness to people. On the way to work on lunch break, on the way to church, if you make a stop on the way to church, at the soccer game, at the baseball game, wherever you go, we, we have these everyday encounters that we just miss because we think, and maybe I'm speaking too broadly when I say we, some of us think that our mission is to be a Christian, to raise a family, to go to church, maybe to sing in the choir or maybe sing a special To teach my Sunday school class. Like we have all of these events. This is my mission to do this and this and this and this and this. But in reality, every day, every hour of the day, we ought to be on mission for Christ. Every moment of the day. So we go to work praying that God would give us opportunities and courage and faith to strike up conversations with people that could lead to gospel conversations that would give us opportunities to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And when we're hanging with our family, it's fun, we enjoy it, but we're looking for opportunities to show the the light and the love of Christ to them and to teach them. At the dinner table, wherever we go, let's not get too comfortable in in this world. We're strangers here. We're pilgrims. Don't forget that. We, we're not here just to enjoy life. We're here to be ambassadors for Christ. We have a much bigger purpose than simply going to work and raising a family. We're to be followers of Jesus and we're to be witnesses for him. And that's not a, that's not a contradiction to, to all the other stuff that we do. It doesn't mean we, have to, we, we doesn't mean we have to stop doing all the stuff that we do so that we can be fully devoted followers of Christ. No, that's, that's the opposite. We, we keep doing what we're doing, but we do it with the mindset that my mission is to bring God glory, to bring others to Christ, to preach the gospel. And so everywhere I go and all these things that I do, I'm not going to be so bogged down with life that I forget about the real reason that I'm here. And that is him. Fulfill his mission as we go through life, just like Jesus did. You know, Jesus could have said, "I mean, he was a great teacher, right?" He he could have just he could have just said, "Okay, come back and see me next Sunday." And every Sunday, no doubt, he would have had tens of thousands of people. Him, mean, he had multitudes that came to hear him. But that wasn't his mission. His mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was every single day of the week. And sometimes it was in the middle of the night. And sometimes it was early in the morning. And sometimes it was in the afternoon. And, and sometimes it was on Sundays and sometimes it was on Saturdays. He got in trouble for that on the Sabbath when he was healing and saving people on the Sabbath days. But he didn't care because he wasn't going to let them distract him. He wasn't going to let the Pharisees distract him when they said, no, you can't heal on the Sabbath day. No, because he had a mission that didn't come from man but it came from god these pharisees they were they were trying to stop him what are you doing eating with and drinking with with sinners and he could have said well oh, you're probably right let me let me let me let me try a different tactic one that might you know kind of appease everybody but no he wasn't going to be distracted we must be about i must be about my father's business that never changed from the time he was 12 years old until the time he went to the cross and I want to just say to you tonight that we all have a mission. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget that you have a mission. You have a purpose that goes beyond your life. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And we would do well to wake up every single morning and just plead with God to help us to maintain focus throughout this day. I've got got appointments today. I've got events. I've got work. I've got games I've got meetings, I've got all of this stuff, God, but help me today in the midst of all of these things that I have that are pulling my attention and trying to draw me away from my primary mission. Help me to keep my focus on you and on the mission. Help me, God, today to make you my priority in everything that I do. We would do well every single day to make that prayer. And then every afternoon, and throughout every day, God, when I go to this meeting, I want to I want to keep my eyes on you, and I want to I want to bring you glory. God, when I when I go my lunch break, I'm going to sit around with my friends today, and I and I, Lord, I want to bring you glory in my conversations today. I want to I want to speak of you. I want to make your name great right now, and maybe and maybe even have an opportunity to give somebody the gospel. And when we stop for gas, if you go inside when you get gas, make that prayer. God, give me me an opportunity today and give me the courage today and the faith today to speak up for you and to fulfill my mission for you in this time. It's an ongoing thing. It's constant. It's every day. It's all day. You've got a hundred things that are pulling you away, drawing you away, trying to distract you. But we must be able, like Jesus, to say, I have a mission. And... With his help, with his help, I'm going to stay on task today, right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example of Christ. No greater example, the perfect example, of someone who came to earth, lived in a human body, Had all the same distractions that we have, had all the same ailments that we have, and yet refused to be distracted from his mission. I pray that today, Lord, you would help us to commit. Lord, first I guess first is to understand our mission. If there's if there's if there if there's some here that just don't understand that what we're here to do, Lord, would you make it clear? Would you drive it down deep in our in our minds and our hearts? And then, Lord, would you would you give us a renewed passion to fulfill that mission? Help us not to be satisfied with just going through the motions and, and being just residents of earth, but 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 Lord to recognize that we're just pilgrims, we're just passing through, and we're just here to be ambassadors for you. I pray you challenge us tonight, Lord, to a higher level of living. The piano's gonna play. I hope you'll take a few moments and, and, and pray there at your seats or come forward if you, if you want to. And, but let's just, say, let's just trust God. Let's trust God today to use us in the days ahead for his glory.